0: The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink. The TNT Shop has it all at TNTradio.live.
1: In a secret lab somewhere in the Western Hemisphere, the perfect human
0: specimen has been born. He has the strength of 10 men and the wisdom of 20. Rick Munn. A TNT radio now go away bit of misinformation there this the wisdom of 20 men I think that's a slight over exaggeration I'm thinking maybe 18 men maybe 17 men 20 is a bit of a stretch but I'll take it hey I'll take it it's January the first and anything positive I will take it with a heart and a half huh oh. Can't believe it, another new year. Sun is actually shining where I am at the moment. Looks like it's gonna be a nice day. And what else can you do with this life that we have is but take it one day at a time. Uh, A lot to pack into Locked and Loaded today. I'm gonna be talking to Jimmy again in just a minute or two, and also, Basil Valentine has very kindly agreed to join me as a special guest here this morning. I know a lot of you love Basil and his input. We're going to be doing a little year in review over last year, but really focusing on most of the breaking news stories that were happening over the Christmas period, especially with regards to what's happening in the Middle East. So he'll be joining me at around about 20 past the hour. So please stay tuned for that. And of course, any comments or um Questions that you have, leave them in the live chat and we will do our level best to pick up on those through the duration of the show. Uh, Some things that maybe haven't been reported on, some things that are slipping under the radar, huge events that are happening at the minute in Nigeria, over the Christmas period. A Nigeria massacre sees over 100 Christians murdered, massacred, uh, killed for sport. A never ending massacre of Christians being killed for sport is reportedly happening in Nigeria, yet the world appears to be largely deaf to the matter. Now this is being reported on by many uh, humanitarian organizations. Amnesty International has covered this one over the last uh, few days as well. While most of the world has been celebrating uh, Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ in Nigeria, they're mourning the end of life. Uh, as many, many Christians have been slaughtered. Now, this is not something new or not something unique. This is something that's been happening in Nigeria in particular for a very, very long period. Uh, Nigeria is broadly split north and south with the northern part of Nigeria being mostly Muslim and the southern part of Nigeria being mostly Christian. And in that uh, gray area between the north and the south, that's where a lot of these massacres actually take place. So to give you an idea of the scale of this, uh the bandits uh, ran amok over the last few days, according to Amnesty International, some 20 communities across central Nigeria, killing more than 140 people in a country where accurate statistics are traditionally hard to come by. Some sources have put the death toll closer to 200. So uh, this was yet another Christmas massacre of Christians. And to give you an idea again of the perspective or the scale of this, more than 52,000 52,000 Christians have been butchered or hacked to death for being Christians since 2009 in Nigeria alone, according to Society, which is a civil society based in Onitsha in Nigeria. Think about that, 52,000 since, what, 2009? What's that, over the last 15 years? That is a crazy amount of people, a genocide of sorts happening in central areas, of Nigeria but again sadly we don't hear about that because you know it's not relevant to the UK it's not relevant to Ireland but hell it's relevant to those people that are being massacred en masse in Nigeria so I thought it was worthwhile covering that just to give some idea of what's happening in that part of the world when it comes to persecution and whatnot. Uh, Other things that are happening at the minute uh i'm I'm actually gonna uh, bring Gemma on here she's got an update for us here on this uh horrible earthquake that's going on in japan but something else that's kicking off in ireland on New year's day which is today uh social welfare payments are all going up today uh you will have to ask the question why and uh, where's this money coming from and is it proportionate so a lot to cover here we hope you stay tuned we'll be back in just a split second on tnt radio
2: Giving you what you want. I want the fact. Today's
0: News Talk Radio, TNT. Gemma, I just thought I would bounce this one off you. I'd like to get your input on these uh, issues. So today, New Year's Day, an array of social welfare payments are set to rise in Ireland after increase unveiled in the budget in 2024. Social Protection Minister... Heather Humphreys said pay rises come as part of the biggest ever social welfare budget. So, you know, Ireland's not doing great at the minute financially. A lot of people are struggling here at the moment. Uh, The government, though, seems to have plenty of money to send in overseas aid to bring people in, to put up modular houses and so on and so forth. Now, everyone's getting increased welfare payments, some of them. I would say are a little bit of a slap in the face. So for example, uh, if you are a carer of someone who is disabled, you will get a 10 euro per month rise in your welfare payments, which it, which equates to about eight pounds a month or two pounds a week to show how valued you are as a carer to take that burden off the state. You're providing care for a loved one or a, a sick friend or relative, eight quid, eight quid a month. Is that not a bit of a slap in the face?
3: That's no, a tremendous slap in the face, but they rely on the one thing that keeps that whole kind of system in place. And that's the fact that you love your relatives and you love your friends and that that they exploit that. You know, the, the, the governments. That uh, my mum used to care for my gran and it was a pitiful carers allowance that she got. My gran lived to be 101 and we all lived together. We looked after her because we loved her. But the state knew that and the state knew they would chuck, you know, 35 quid at my mum and she would put up with it because we didn't want my grand to go into a home. That's the last place we wanted her to go. Um, But they exploit that. They exploit our compassion. They exploit our kindness. They exploit our love um, because they know we will do it. They know people will do it and look after loved ones. It is a huge, huge slap in the face that.
0: It is. And it's also against the backdrop of Ireland being revealed as the biggest payer of uh, people that were seeking international protection, asylum seekers, refugees. Ireland were paying out 220 euro a week, which was by far and away the highest rates available for any European country uh, that were benefiting people that were coming in to support them financially. Again, when you set that against a car, getting an extra 10 euro a month, not even a week, a month, I don't know if it's geared up to rub salt in the wounds, and of course, any increase is welcome. I would imagine because the cost of living is going up everywhere, despite what the governments are saying. But still, uh, two quid a week—I mean, what can you do? What can you? What can you actually buy for two quid these days? I can, can you think well, of anything you can buy for two quid?
3: No, nothing that would be, and that that two quid's completely already been swallowed up because mm-hmm. of the of the cost of living increases, which have been going on and on and on and on and on. You know that it's it's gone before it's already even arrived in your bank account, hasn't it? And just yeah, uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's in everything's inverted. People that care should be rewarded the most. Um, it's the hardest job. It takes a toll on the carer, um, yeah. and it does take the burden off the state. But they they know that. That's why they encourage marriage, because traditionally women have outlived men. And as the men get older and frailer and sicker, the woman will look after them. No one looks after the woman when she's left on her own, when her husband goes, unless she's got a compassionate family. Um, the whole system is designed to really keep us in our place. And, and you know, you want to do the right thing by your loved ones. And mm. as I say, that's what they, they know. They know that they exploit it. They don't reward it. Uh, and the money goes elsewhere, as you rightly pointed out
0: they do they do uh but interesting one I just thought I would uh throw that one at you see what you thought but this is coming into effect today so of course uh it's relevant to our remit which is today's news talk and also following off the back of that uh you've got an update for us uh this ongoing situation in Japan obviously is going to result in uh, potentially a huge catastrophe if the tsunami actually hits what's the uh, latest on that over the last hour
3: Well, within the last hour, the Japanese government has announced it will be doing a a press conference later on today uh, to give us the latest. I mean, we know now that there were a total of 21 quakes. Along the uh, Japanese coastline, just after four o'clock Japan time, which is just after seven a.m. UK time, um, the waves of more than a meter started hitting the north coast quite quickly. Uh, but Japan is now bracing itself with waves of up to five meters. We had the first big wave at the port of Wajima that was one point two meters, but five meters are expected. That's sixteen feet high. That really gives you an indication um, of where we are. The major tsunami warning is for Wajima in the province of Ishikawa, uh, but lower level ones and and alerts are out for that whole kind of northwestern coastal area and the public broadcaster NHK TV is still urging people to flee to high levels. Um, we've had some more very striking images come in now from the uh, the quake, um, images of a torii gate, you know, the classic red high gates which are at mm-hmm. sacred shrines. Uh, one of those in kan- Kanazawa has just been completely destroyed, it's shattered and there's a very striking images of people crowded around the red rubble just looking at this beautiful torii gate which has just crashed to the ground, uh, lots of uh, images coming in of highways uh, with signs up saying, you know, warnings. Uh, lots of the highways are now closed, along with the, as we talked about in the last hour, the suspension of the high-speed bullet trains. Um, what is interesting now is that um, there are a lot of fears that Japan's coastal nuclear power stations could once again be affected, just like Fukushima was. Uh, we've got several along that coastline. The hurricane. Hori- Hokuriku Electric Power Company, the Tokyo Electric Power Company and the Kansai Electric Power Company all have uh nuclear power plants along that stretch of coast. So far there is no indications that they're being affected, but we think that the worst might be yet to come as the repercussions of this quake, this 7.6 quake does uh does does kind of the country's bracing itself for those further repercussions. We know now where the center of the earthquake was. It's the Noto region of Ishikawa, up on that northwestern coast. Um, And just to give some other comparisons, last March, uh, well, March 22 now, sorry, there was an earthquake of 7.4 in the eastern area of Japan that killed three people. This is a 7.6 and we haven't got any uh, reports of fatalities so far. And I think that's because what we talked about at the last hour, the infrastructure of the country, it is geared up for earthquakes. It is geared up For tsunamis, you know, and its it's infrastructure is quite extraordinary. Um, And children are drilled from a very young age what to do in the event of an earthquake and tsunami warnings. Um, There was a huge earthquake of 7.9. So that's just one point over the one, a few points over the one we're looking at now. That was in 1923. That killed 105,000 people. But of course, that's over 100 years ago now, and the country has you know, built its infrastructure to cope with this very eventuality. So there are no reports of fatalities or deaths as yet. Let's hope it stays that way. Let's hope this uh, emergency drill is rolled in right in the nick of time. But as I say, the Japanese government are holding a news conference later today. Um, if they do that within the next hour or so, I'll be able to bring some updates on the Freeman report with James Freeman.
0: You know, it does uh, help whenever you think uh, you're getting a tight in life to, to look around and, you know, get some perspective on what you're going through and not to minimize anybody's problems. But, you know, in the UK, a lot, you know, we complain about the weather or it's too warm or you can't stand this heat or it's a miserable summer. It's been raining and it's freezing cold. There's ice on the roads. There's no grit on the roads. These are things that could disrupt their lives and make life a little bit uncomfortable. But when you're talking like you are today about people, even in a place that's geared up for earthquake. Preparedness. They still have to deal with it. Uh, they still have to potentially uh, face loss, losing their homes, or in this case, be prepared to flee to the high ground. Uh, I'm sure there's better things that those people would like to be doing on New Year's Day than potentially packing up an overnight bag and heading for the hills. Uh, it does lend a little bit of perspective on what uh, real weather and uh, you know, uh, you know environmental disasters actually are. Thankfully, uh, we're reasonably well shielded from that here in the UK and Ireland. You know, we don't have to worry about earthquakes per se or tsunamis where we are. Anyway, uh, I I wouldn't want to be uh, on uh, that island right now.
3: No, quite. Um, but the thankful thing is, it does seem to be working. When I mean, they are in the Pacific Rim, it is an unstable part of the world, that Ring of Fire, uh, where mm-hmm. earthquakes and volcanoes are, you know, geologically more prone to happen. Um, but they they are an incredibly efficient culture. They are incredibly community orientated. Um, there are some images that you can see on social media of the roads have been completely ripped up, like um, they're like hills of concrete with cracks in them. And you were thinking, oh my goodness me! And there are people just sitting around quite what looks like looking just into their mobile phones you know it, they are more prepared than we would ever be here in the UK i mean you're quite right a little bit of grill um, snow or ice on the roads and everybody goes into panic mode um so it, it's great to see that their policies are working it's great to see that their national broadcaster is working in tandem with the government and and Jap- japanese people are they're, they're quite obedient people they will do what they're told they've been told to flee to the high ground they're doing exactly that and we we're not seeing any fatalities and let's hope it stays that way right the way through the day and let's Hope we don't see waves of five meters, 16 feet high, uh, bashing that coastline across the, the north and the west.
0: Yeah, indeed. So uh, like like you said, uh, you'll keep us updated uh, later on uh, during TNT, during your shift anyway, possibly into the Freeman Report, if there is any updates in that. So please stay tuned, obviously, uh, when I go off, uh, James will be on, and Gemma also uh, does news editorials for James too. So uh, stay tuned for any updates on that. And big thanks to you, Gemma, of course, for bringing that to us this morning. And, of course, happy new year to you too as well. And uh, all being well, we shall reconvene again tomorrow, 2nd of January, aye, 2020. That's Gemma Cooper. Uh, Stay tuned, you lovely people out there. I'll be joined in a a minute or two by the one and only Basil Valentine. So plenty more to come here and locked and loaded only. TNT Radio.
1: TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen. There's a dark cloud which is gathering over Ukraine. This has been an absolute disaster. In the last month alone, as I reported previously, Ukraine's lost 13,000 troops in October. So what does that mean? Well, you can guess that recruitment is probably down. So right now, the government in Kiev, the Zelensky government's doing forced conscription. Morale is at an all-time low. Uh, we've also seen conscientious objectors uh, who are taking to social media like Telegram, who reported uh, that they were just finished a six-month prison sentence uh, after refusing to go to the front line. Some of the forced conscripts rebelled, were imprisoned for six months, did a six-month sentence, and then the day before their release, they were put into a van and then sent to the front line. I kid you not. Patrick Henningsen on today's News
0: Talk, TNT Radio.
1: Here's a bushfire fact. Bushfires can occur without warning. So if you're traveling during bushfire season, here are three simple steps to remember. 1. Check the fire danger rating before you go. The higher the fire danger rating, the more dangerous the conditions. It may be safer to re-plan your trip. 2. Think about the area you're going to and what you would do if a fire started. How would you escape the area if you needed to? and where would you go? Check if there's a neighborhood safer place. Three, it's dangerous to drive through smoke or fire. If you can't find a way to avoid the fire, park in a cleared area, face the car towards the fire, and turn the engine off. Then lie on the floor and cover yourself to protect yourself from radiant heat. Live bushfire ready. For more helpful tips, visit MyFirePlan.com.au today. The human mind is like a computer. No matter how efficient it may be, its reliability is only as great as the information fed into it.
2: That's a campaign promise. Tell us the truth. Tell us the truth. We mandate that the truth be
1: told.
0: You're hearing it. TNT okay uh first locked and loaded of 2024 this is tnt radio i'm rick munn and i'm very happy to be joined again by the one and only basil valentine he made a quick appearance uh, towards the tail end of 2023 which is his first real appearance on locked and loaded since february last year uh, so we're going to try and rectify that we're going to have a kickoff session here for 2024 uh, with basil uh, and i'm very happy to be joined by him again we're going to look at what's happening in the world at the minute over the Christmas period what we think is going to maybe be happening and unraveling into 2024 and if you don't already follow this chap on social media you can follow him on the x slash twitter platform at at says, S-A-Y-S underscore Basil. You'll be able to read his uh, musings and his postings there uh, until your hearts are content. Now, I want to kick things off here. Uh, This is something that's close to Basil's heart. Uh, er, Not yesterday, but over the last few days, uh, it is with great sadness that the family of John Pilger announced that he died on the 30th of December in London, aged 84 years of age. His journalism and documentaries were celebrated around the world, but to his family, he was simply the most amazing and loved dad, granddad, and partner. Rest in peace, Basil. This chap meant a lot to you. Uh, what do? We, what can you tell us about uh, the work of John Pilger?
2: Well, first of all, happy New Year, Rick, and happy New Year to our listeners all around the world. And uh, yes, I mean Pilger was a real pioneer of investigative journalism and war reporting. Um, He was labelled an anti-imperialist journalist following initially his tremendous work in Cambodia and Vietnam in the early 1970s. And he went on to be a leading light of uh, what one might call the crusade for truth and justice around the world. And he was, of course, uh, given a platform, um, which I don't think he'd be given, nor somebody similar wouldn't be given these days, by ITV itself, by the main independent channel here in Britain. And uh, he made a number of films uh, from all around the world. Uh, 20 years ago, of course, he famously made Palestine is Still the Issue. And uh, it it certainly wasn't wrong there. Um, And uh, more recently, he's been campaigning for the freedom of Julian Assange, uh, a fellow journalist uh, whose fate will be decided by the british courts within the next few weeks and he was also very well aware of the extent to which uh, western populations these days are heavily propagandized if i could quote from an article he published silencing the lambs how propaganda works this was published in august of last year um In the 1970s, I met one of Hitler's leading propagandists, Lenny Riefenstahl, whose epic films glorified the Nazis. We happened to be staying at the same lodge in Kenya, where she was on a photography assignment. She told me that the patriotic messages of her films were dependent not on orders from above, but on what she called the submissive void of the German public. Did that include the liberal, educated bourgeoisie? I asked. Yes, especially them, she said. I think of this, writes Pilger, as I look around at the propaganda now consuming Western societies. Of course, we are very different from Germany in the 1930s. We live in information societies. We have never been more aware, more in touch and better connected. Or are, or are we? Do we live in a media society where brainwashing is insidious and relentless and perception is filtered according to the needs and lies of state and corporate power. The United States dominates the Western world's media, all but one of the top 10 media companies is based in North America. The internet and social media, Google, Twitter, Facebook are mostly American owned and controlled. In my lifetime, he goes on, the United States has overthrown or attempted to overthrow more than 50 governments, mostly democracies. It has interfered in democratic elections in 30 countries. It has dropped bombs on the people of 30 countries, most of them poor and defenseless. Etc. So Pilger, right up there towards the end of his life, continuing to hit the nail on the head. The extent oh. and scale of this carnage, he writes, are largely unreported and unrecognized. And those responsible continue to dominate Anglo American political life. Which brings me neatly on to the next story, Rick, uh, which yeah. is that one such ghoul, Tony Blair, Is being lined up for a new role in the Middle East to facilitate the ethnic cleansing of Palestine. Pilgers' Uh, ghouls have never been more prophetic or more true. I I love your
0: vocabulary. Some of your words are forever etched in my mind. Pithy uh, being one, and paucity being another two (laughs) fantastic words that you used to throw around liberally like salt on a pizza. Uh, I like salt on a pizza, so don't ask me where that one came from. But yes, uh, (laughs) (laughs) ghouls. Black, oh, ground black pepper is an absolute must. Yes, uh, in addition to copious amounts of modern sea salt, or Malvern Cecil, but anyway, I digress slightly, but the word ghoul you used to mention, uh, Tony Blair, I think is particularly fitting. Blair, uh, when he ceased to become uh, Prime Minister of uh, the UK, of course, he did have a role as a peace envoy in the Middle East. He's never really went too far away from the political stage, and now we can see him uh, sniffing around the perimeters again uh, with a potential uh job to be done in the middle east uh you know uh, uh wh- wh- why will this guy just not dry up and blow away like an autumn leaf why, why is he perpetually uh, floating around like a like a turd uh, that just won't flush in the cistern bowl?
2: well he's good chums with benjamin netanyahu that's why he's been nominated if i can uh quote from Ashish Prashar on the X platform this morning as a former employee of Tony Blair I can tell you that as the Middle East peace envoy he never looked for a settlement that would be good for Palestinians and has no business making decisions about Palestinian lives going forward that after it emerged last night on the Israeli N12 channel that he is going to be the point person and I'm quoting a tweet, tweet here from Myrev Zonsim, the the point person to find European countries that will take in Palestinian refugees from Gaza, described as a perfect fit. Honestly, I, actually, I'm, uh, I, I'm banned from posting on Twitter for a few more days as a result of a contretemps with Mike Pompeo. The mm. former Secretary of State, Patrick Henningson last night uh, said, oh, well, you know, I wasn't punching down, punching at Mike Pompeo, but uh, I disagree for all his elevated status. I was mm-hmm. certainly pom- punching down in terms of intellectual ability or moral courage because he mm. has a complete void in both, which is why yeah. I went after him." Twitter reacted. Uh, Go on, Rick. I was going to say Pompeo
0: is another one. Uh, He's another, uh, you know... Floater that just won't seem to go away. What is it, Basil? Uh, You know, towards the tail end of last year, we saw Cameron making an appearance back in the UK politics again. He was made a peer by Charles. You know, he's back in the he's back in the fray, and even Johnson over the last few days. You know, he's landed himself a gig on GB News, looking rather uh, ill and bedraggled, even more so than normal uh, in his latest uh, video upload onto the X platform. These people, they it's not just blurs not just Pompeo, we're talking about Johnson, we're talking about um, uh, David Cameron here as well. What next? Uh, could we see the re-emergence of Nick Clegg in the politics next year? Is it like a, a like a nightmare, a groundhog day of UK politics that's going to happen in 2024?
2: And US politics, look at that dreadful Nikki Haley creature creeping around, my God. Yeah. Um, Well, these people are rewarded for their loyalty to the cabal or empire. It's as simple as that. You know, Tony Blair has become a very rich man on the backs of the deaths of countless thousands of innocent people in Iraq and around the world. Mike Pompeo plotted to have Julian Assange murdered when he was head of the CIA and assange was holed up in the ecuadorian embassy these people are very very grim characters and they Mm -hmm. are a reminder that we live in a well in a in a world i mean people say it all the time you know it's not really one wants something one wants to chew on but we live in a world largely dominated by psychopaths you know at the moment we've got a, a genocide underway in gaza i'm very pleased to see the south africans have finally called it as it is this is something that has very grave implications for these ghouls because the likes of Rishi Sunak, Ursula von der Leyen, uh, Olaf Scholz, Joe Biden etc are complicit in that genocide Uh, apparently the UK government have been using or allowing to be used one of our bases in Cyprus to resupply Israel with munitions via the Americans, Munitions then used in genocide. So mm-hmm. I while I don't expect unfortunately uh, to see Joe Biden and Rishi Sunak in the International Court of Justice anytime soon, nevertheless, it's indicative of what kind of world we live in, where an important developing country, one which, You know let's not forget only 25 years ago was hailed as this tremendous model of how conflicts can be overcome with reconciliation the rainbow nation etc now i know they've got plenty of problems of their own in south africa um but this you know as i say important developing nation very much a diplomatic ally of the united kingdom with long historic ties of course going back hundreds of years um has come out so uh determinedly against current uk us european union policy and said well you know not only do we disagree with what you're doing in supporting israel but we say that they are committing a genocide the ultimate crime the ultimate crime this isn't just sort of sort of minor transgression or something it doesn't get any more serious than genocide so mm-hmm. if nothing else this is going to be profoundly embarrassing it should be for uh, for the cabal the empire not that they really care what anybody else says thinks or does When we
0: talk about uh, crimes, you know, committed by governments or state entities, Uh, you mentioned Pompeo there, you also touched on Julian Assange, if we can just uh, look at that one for a little bit. Um, He obviously has been banged up in Belmarsh prison for quite some time now, Uh, his mental and physical state is deteriorating at a rate of knots. Uh, He's waiting possible extradition over to America where he could face up to 120 years in a maximum security prison over there if he's uh, extradited and found guilty of what he's been accused of. Uh, There seems to have been relative silence uh, in terms of people getting behind him. I know the Australian government were very, very slow under Scott Morrison to get behind Assange and the same uh, is the case with Albanese. Recently, though, Basil, uh, we've seen more, uh, how would you say, higher profile people like Tucker Carlson, I believe, recently paid a visit uh, over to the yes. UK to uh, the, to to Belmarsh. Uh, he was with uh, Stella Assange, Julian Assange's wife. Uh, that can't be bad whenever it comes to at least raising awareness for this. Uh, where, where are we at with that one? Uh, it's not something that I've kept up with uh, over the last few months. Suffice to say that he is still awaiting extradition. And of course, what he's actually locked up for uh, the people that committed the, you know, the collateral murder video—if if anyone hasn't seen it, along with many, many other things that he uh, leaked or certainly uh, made available to the public—he uh, didn't hack them. They were given to him. And the people that were responsible, for example, for committing the the crimes in those videos, are still free. But yet, uh, he's he, he's languishing in Belmore. It's literally rotting away there in uh, in a horrific uh,
2: environment. Well, absolutely, it's indicative of. Uh... What's wrong with the world, isn't it? That, um, you know, people who commit war crimes are not only walking free, but are rewarded and given platforms on corporate media. You know, Blair's long since been, in inverted commas, rehabilitated. I mean, fortunately, in Blair's case, he is still regarded as a total pariah by the vast majority of the British public, Mm -hmm. and uh, long may that continue. And relatively recently an MP for the Alba party the breakaway group from the Scottish Nationalists said in a debate at Westminster Hall that to Blair should be arrested and tried for war crimes so you know there is still very much that strand of opinion out there even though uh the BBC were falling over themselves always to uh, put him on air and all the rest of it um as you say Assange I mean it doesn't look particularly good I can't help thinking that the likelihood is he will go to America um but that when he gets there he will of course be humiliated further simply by the process but you know what American legal system is like and they love their plea bargains don't they they love to uh fudge the issue so Mm -hmm. my guess if you you know as a as a betting man I do like a bet Rick Mm -hmm. but I, I don't think the bookies are offering any markets on this I I would suggest and I might get a decent price on this that he would he would be extradited and would then be held in the US for about another 18 months or two years before finally being released on all sorts of conditions um one that was suggested was that he wouldn't be allowed to use the internet ever again i mean really bizarre but that he would be released on some sort of plea bargain deal uh on the basis of the time served in belmarsh and, and what have you so it would be you know what i mean he'd get a further slap on the wrists and uh, told to disappear um, of course it goes i back. hope i'm wrong Go it on. goes
0: back It goes back uh, you know before Belmarsh because even though he wasn't technically in a maximum security prison you know he spent a long time in the Ecuadorian embassy uh, under effective house arrest there before he was uh, thrown into Belmarsh and it's a terrible terrible place to be it's one of the worst maximum security prisons in in the UK and obviously very detrimental for his mental and his physical health I think he's had some uh, health issues when he's been in there and I, I might be wrong about this but I don't think he's ever actually been to America I don't think he's ever Actually, set foot on American soil as a as a visitor or a tourist or someone that's toured around there. So, ironically, the first time he would actually set foot in American soil, if they do extradite him, would be to face uh, treason charges, which is also quite
2: bizarre. I mean, it, the optics will be extremely bad for the United States and the United Kingdom if he is extradited. I mean, depending on uh, when he's physically taken to RAF Bryce Norton or Heathrow or wherever he leaves from there there would be thousands of people on the street blocking any um you know police prison convoy containing him there there will be physical attempts to prevent his extradition that much is guaranteed so uh, it's going to be a dreadful spectacle Uh, unless of course they manage to spirit him away in the middle of the night without which is uh, probably more likely you know without having told family and and therefore press and supporters exactly when he's going to be physically removed I mean the case itself uh I've heard Craig Murray talk about it he's one of the experts um you know there are all sorts of you know legal processes which really mean that the whole thing should be thrown out such as um the uh, defense files having been stolen by uh, the US authorities you know uh, things that should just mean that this case is immediately dismissed you know there are no there are no you know real legal grounds for it it's an entirely pernicious persecution as much as a prosecution because he embarrassed uh, important officials and humiliated them and that's what they can't stand and that's why they're determined to punish him
0: Powerful, uh, those two words sound very similar, but in reality, they're totally different. He's being uh, persecuted rather than being prosecuted, I think, is a fantastic yes. way to describe that whole Assange situation. And let's hope, uh, fingers crossed, in 2024, there's a little light uh, appearing at the end of Bell Marsh's dark tunnels for uh, Julian Assange. We've got to take a quick break right now, Basil, for some ads. When we come back, I want to look at what's uh, been happening in the Middle East over the Christmas period. Uh, Things aren't uh, dissipating in any way over there. In fact, uh, tensions seem to be rising uh, with regards to Yemen and the Red Sea. We're going to look at that when we come back. So please stay tuned for more here on TNT Radio. From
1: weather and traffic reports, to news of political developments,
3: We turn to journalists for the information we need to live our daily lives.
1: Journalists around the world provide the news that is essential for democracy, for personal freedom, and for safety and stability. Yet their ability to report freely and safely is under attack like never before. Too
2: many journalists are paying with their lives. They face exponential risks, and they've already paid a heavy toll.
0: Death threats, online harassment, and physical attacks
1: are becoming a daily experience of journalists in all countries.
3: We just want people to
0: be safe, to be able to get our readers the information that they need to make informed decisions. They checked my phone and realized that
1: it was Pegasus. I feel myself like I'm naked in the street.
0: These charges were politicized from the start.
1: Facts win. Truth wins. Justice wins.
3: It's enormous for me to be here, to be free. I didn't expect
1: Stand with the free press. Stand with journalists whose reporting won't be silenced. Press freedom is your freedom.
0: Internet crimes against children in New Mexico are real and when it comes to protecting your children the New Mexico AG's office and the ICAC unit are on the front lines. I'm New Mexico Attorney General Hector Balderas. There's nowhere to hide for online predators in New Mexico. We are working tirelessly using state-of-the-art technology and resources to seek out and find them wherever they are. Please talk to your children about the dangers that exist online social media games and messenger apps it's always important to know who you're talking to
1: help fight online predators in new mexico by submitting a tip today
2: you're with rick Munn on today's news talk radio
0: TNT. Okay, New Year's Day kickoff show here with the one and only Basil Valentine. Basil, uh, some, well, not some, a lot of events are happening in the Middle East at the minute, not just centered around uh, Israel-Palestine. Red Sea Chaos, this is an article that was published yesterday on Zero Hedge. Red Sea Chaos, Mersk's ship hit by a missile, US attack, helicopters annihilate Houthi, rebel boats. Uh, Maersk, which is one of the largest shipping companies in the world, suspended all container ship sailings in the Southern Red Sea after Iranian-backed Houthis militants attacked one of its vessels. This comes a day after the ship shipper reportedly admitted to restart seals in the critical waterway under the U.S.'s operational Prosperity, Guardian, Security Umbrella. So, what we're seeing here at the minute uh, in the in the Red Sea is we're seeing, uh, you know, Iran, uh, Yemen, uh, international shipping companies. They're rerouting down through the, the the Horn of Africa, adding prices on, causing disruption, causing supply issues, escalation in tensions, escalation in attacks, escalation in violence. The trajectory in this particular part of the world doesn't look particularly good and we're not just talking about the events that are happening in uh, Palestine uh we're talking about the further uh, further geography of that place especially in that Red Sea area it's a real hot spot right now
2: yes the Yehuti Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Yemen has just this morning refuted Israeli reports which claimed that they are threatening underwater communications cables in the red sea the rebel said in a statement that the claims of a threat to submarine cables passing through the bab are mandab straits are incorrect but what we do know is that the Americans blew up uh, some Yemeni boats killing 10 sailors the Yemenis hadn't actually killed anyone so far they'd been stopping shipping uh, they'd been stopping shipping that they believed was supplying a genocide uh, so in response to that, the United States have killed people so that the genocide can continue. Um, but of course, the United States, remember, are oh, the good guys. Mm. Looks like there may be a formal declaration of war. Well, there won't be. a will uh, change that. <clears throat> a formal declaration of war <clears throat> in the United States can only come from Congress, but they haven't bothered with that for decades. The executive branch just go to war with whoever they want these days. So while there won't be a formal declaration of war, it looks like the Americans may well step up their attacks on the Yemenis with the connivance, if not the full support of the United Kingdom as well, because we are, as we have been for a long time, shackled to an insane American policy.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, that that whole area, uh, you know, uh, there was, uh, you know, it's it it it's it's not going away. It's not dying down. Any uh, talks of ceasefires and peace are being scuppered or criticised. Uh, the tensions are kept high in that region, and it seems to be spreading. Uh, you know, Yemen, there has been conflict and, and you know genocide going on there for quite some time now but it seems to be more in the spotlight will we see more of Yemen in 2024 not that it hasn't been uh things haven't been happening there in 2023 and 2022 but they just haven't been widely reported on I suppose it's a little bit like Ukraine for eight years before the Russia's special military operation in 2022 February 2022 there'd been events happening in the eastern part of Ukraine but they were simply not reported on at large will we see more focus do you think being put on yemen in
2: 2024 without a shadow of a doubt i've seen reports that they've got an army uh and ready to march towards israel Uh, i don't know if that's going to happen i think they've got to march through saudi arabia to get there or maybe they'll take to the sea and go up the uh maybe they'll take to boats and uh invade israel from the south i can't see that happening in the near future but they're certainly far and away the most militant of all the countries in the region um i'm reading this morning that israel says it's going to withdraw some troops from gaza to shift to more targeted operations this no doubt comes in response to pressure from the biden administration who are starting to get a bit uncomfortable apparently about the scale of the civilian deaths in gaza uh, more because of its impact on their own voter base than caring about palestinian civilians because uh, biden's support among muslims which he'd taken for granted uh, has completely cratered uh, in recent weeks so the uh, americans have started putting pressure on israel to sort of stop the carpet bombing but I'll believe it when I see it they've also got a second front in the north of course uh Israel has warned that if Hezbollah does not back down a full on Lebanon war looms both Hamas and Hezbollah are backed by Iran say the Guardian whose militant allies in Syria Iraq and Yemen have also been carrying out longer range attacks against Israel the Iraqis of course have decided they want no more of the American bases in their country why should they um, I mean from my point of view uh Rick you know it didn't have to be like this there was no re- you know if we went rewound a hundred years uh to the declining Ottoman Empire and all the rest of it um it, you know the timeline that we've gone down the establishment of the state of israel the nakbar that was part of that the terrorist attacks and then the subsequent refusal of israel to define its own borders the, the failure to establish the two-state solution the endless wars uh, that have followed including iraq and now gaza you know the whole area has been drenched in blood misery and suffering for mm. far too long and mm. it's time it came to an end and took a decisive turn towards peaceful cooperation and coexistence science
0: absolutely beautiful but uh you know i don't want to be a damn squib here and i think you know you know it's something that you know anybody with any modicum of sense would would hope for would hope to see that uh t- happening within 2024 but i'm a big believer in looking at trajectories and velocities in the way the trajectory is going in the middle east at the minute and the way other people are being not sucked into this conflict but you mentioned iran there you know there's absolutely no love lost whatsoever between iran and america and i can remember i think it was in January of 2020 2020 just before the whole uh, COVID pandemic scandemic was unleashed upon the world i believe there was a, a very prominent iranian general a very beloved iranian general called qasim soleimani was uh, killed by a an american drone strike uh, sanctioned by donald trump and i think it was actually That's carried right. out when he was in, a, in an iraqi airport but anyway he was an iranian general and i can remember back then basil and i didn't really follow world you know geopolitical events back in 2000 in the year 2000 but i can remember the tension that was uh raised after that assassination of soleimani uh, the iranian people were banging for american blood they were talking about uh, unleashing hell on america on all supporters of america on israel that didn't quite come to its conclusion I suppose, thankfully, in a way, otherwise, it could have been a, a you know, a horrendous amount of bloodshed there. But it seems to be, uh, I would imagine that the Iranians have never fully forgotten about that strike. And they're maybe simply biding their time. And, you know, 2024, with everything else that's going on with Yemen and with Palestine and with uh, Israel, you know, who knows what could happen there? The volatility is off the scale in that region.
2: Well, there was a bit of a thaw with the Iranians, first of all, under Obama, with the JCPOA, the uh, agreement to uh, allow Iran to enrich uranium for peaceful purposes as part of its nuclear power program. I mean, extraordinary, really, that the Iranians have to go through this whole process when Israel has undeclared nuclear weapons. Everybody knows they've got them, which actually make military assistance that the U.S. provides illegal, under American law Um, then of course Donald Trump ripped up the JCPOA Uh, then um, more recently there was a bit of a thaw earlier last year when the Iranians released uh, one or two prisoners that they'd been holding Americans uh, in exchange for the unfreezing of Iranian funds now that irritated some of the hawks in Washington and Tel Aviv but of course things have since then taken uh, a, a terrible turn for the worse and you've now got people like Lindsey Graham senator for South Carolina uh, saying it's time to bomb Iran it's time to you know flatten them as well so um always time for the, bombs isn't there always time oh, for yes. bombs always money always time and money that's right uh, and the uraniums themselves meanwhile have started you uh, know apparently they've started enriching uranium beyond the point at which it is necessary to do so for purely domestic and civil purposes so the suggestion is that the Iranians may now be on their way to making a bomb so absolutely the whole region is far more unstable and volatile than it has been for a long time but you know this goes back to un resolutions on palestine in particular which were never implemented you know let's not forget all the settlements in the west bank are illegal under international law uh, you know the so-called oslo accords completely collapsed the united states have never put the required pressure on the israelis to uh you know come to the table and 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 come up with a an acceptable settlement um they're still mouthing platitudes Blinken about a 2 state solution at the same time as the Israelis are being very open about the fact they want to ethnically cleanse Gaza so Mm. you know looking forward this year you know we saw all these you know the entire gallery of ghouls going to Tel Aviv to kiss the ring and wrap themselves in the Israeli flag I don't think that they all thought that leave to kiss the ring and wrap themselves in the Israeli flag I don't think that they all thought that the Israelis would go as far as they have and kill as many people as they have quite so indiscriminately well not entirely indiscriminately because they've been targeting journalists and health workers in particular but uh, I, I think and I hope that even the repulsive creatures parading on the world stage and masquerading as our leaders are finding it increasingly uncomfortable to be Netanyahu's bedfellow as uh, the Israelis ramp up the ethnic cleansing I mean the northern half of Gaza from all the evidence we've seen is now uninhabitable so Blair is going to be now unveiled as this great humanitarian who's come up with this tremendous plan that because northern Gaza is uh, been completely destroyed, all the infrastructure destroyed. uh, Now, the tremendously humanitarian thing to do is for European countries or frankly, anywhere to take Palestinians in as refugees. And it's it's the most obscene thing I think I've ever seen in my life.
0: Uh, one person, just as we come to a close here, Basil, one person who was notably absent uh, from uh, you know, the Israeli kissing the ring party was Volodymyr Zelensky. As much as I think he wanted to be there, he would like to be a dead fellow with Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, he was uh, told, maybe it's not the time for you to be jumping on this bandwagon and trying to promote your own cause further. I can't believe, actually, it's two years since I remember uh, I did a live broadcast on uh, the Twitter, uh, Sunday Wire show, Patrick was over in Belfast. It was January or February of 2022. Uh, You were on the show, Freddie Ponton was on the show, Patrick and I were talking to all, we were having a round table and it was just before uh, Ukraine was invaded by Russia as part of their so-called special military operation. It's hard to believe that's coming up on its second anniversary, Basil, but I also believe there was almost a passing of the torch in terms of, uh, you know, the focus going from Ukraine, Russia to uh, Israel. Palestine in October the 7th of this year could 2024 be the year that the Ukraine conflict uh, comes to an end as it were although of course American NATO will never actually admit defeat in their proxy war against Russia but could that be the end of that one or certainly the focus removing away from that one entirely in 2024 and we've only got a minute or two left so what do you reckon the, that that way will end up this year
2: it should do uh, I mean, I'm just reading this morning that U.S. funding for Ukraine has dried up. But uh, apparently uh, Europe is going into overdrive to produce munitions for Ukraine, want to keep the war going. And of course, you've got some idiots saying, American commentators saying, we have to continue to you know, supply the Ukrainians with whatever weapons they need, because if not, you know, Vladimir Putin is going to invade Western Europe or you know we, we won't be safe in world war three will break out if we don't defeat him absolute nonsense mm-hmm. it's been very obvious right from the start that whether you agree with it or not Putin's only aim has been the protection of ethnic Russians in the east of Ukraine uh you know they don't no interest in going any further than that never have done Uh, So we hope that that does peter out. I mean, what a ridiculous cost. You know, Boris Johnson's going to be parading around on GB Mm -hmm. News. He needs to be heckled. These people Mm -hmm. need to be held to account. He went to Istanbul and scuppered the peace talks. Mm -hmm. Thousands and thousands of people have died. Thousands have been bereaved. Thousands have Mm -hmm. been seriously wounded and mutilated as a result of that idiot's intervention, you know. And billions and billions of aid uh, pumped
0: into that uh, military aid and funding, of course, going into that black accountlessness void that is Ukraine over the last two years, when of course our own countries are floundering and their need of infrastructure upgrades and, you know, we've got homelessness issues and so on and so forth. It's just been exactly. an absolute f- fiasco. Over the last two well, it's years. Time, again, it's time
2: we had a complete reordering of politics, isn't yeah. it? Not well, let's hope. in this country, but around the world, you know. We, because we politics can, but is dream. not serving the people. It's as simple as that. Everybody wants peace and prosperity, and all we get is war, misery, and austerity.
0: Yeah, and we've had enough hit. There's a real paucity of uh, legitimate politicians out there, that's for sure. Indeed. Uh, but I just had to get that word in before the end of the show. <laughs> Listen, uh, massive thanks to you, my friend, for joining me here on New Year's Thank Day. you. Locked and loaded. That's the one and only Basil Valentine. I'm Rick Munn, and all being well, I should be back again tomorrow morning at 9 with Natalie on Open Line. Stay tuned. James Freeman is incoming here on the one and only TNT Radio.